Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Welcome to the Travelers Podcast. I'm Brother Ali. This is a really special episode. Um, we are in, well, I mean, first and foremost, because of the guests that we have. Um, it's well known to everybody that knows me or has heard me on any platform that Amir Suleiman is in my estimation, and it has nothing to do with my estimation, but he's the greatest living poet. Um, I wish I didn't have to limit it by saying in the English language, but it's the only language I know well enough to say that. Um, and he's also one of my dearest friends and one of the most powerful individuals. Amir was just recently nominated for a Grammy for a, a double-sided LP that he made with Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle released his 846 uh, presentation. It's really not a stand-up comedy piece, but it's him talking about what happened to George Floyd and around it, you know, and George Floyd is, is comes from the neighborhood that, that I was living in at that time in South Minneapolis and originally comes from Houston, which is another connection with all of this cohort of people. But uh, Amir, then after that, Dave, in the pandemic and in the aftermath of all of that, created this situation in Ohio where so many artists were coming to just be together and hold space together and spend time together. And uh, I was in that space for a while. And right as I was leaving, Amir came, who is one of my dearest friends. And so Amir came and was delivering this piece called Come for the Hills, We Must Win. And it's a profoundly powerful piece. It's on Spotify if you haven't heard it. Um, but he, Dave asked him to deliver this piece every night and then made that the, the B side. So they were nominated for a Grammy for that. Uh, Amir is written for and produced for film and television. Uh, if you've seen the show called Rami, Mahershala Ali plays a sheikh or like the representative of a sheikh, like basically a hood spiritual teacher. Mahershala Ali's character is based on Amir. And Amir actually wrote the dialogue for that character. You'll even see that Mahershala is wearing the black dickies that Amir wears. It's a really beautiful thing. Um, he is on Robert Glasper's newest album. Um, you know, he, he also is part of the score for the movie that Dave Chappelle made about that time period. So just one of the most profound individuals that I've ever been around. You'll hear in the interview that we also lived together in Oakland for a while. And just really, you know... Uh, it, it, as a person that's a piece of me. So also this, um, also this episode is really special because we're, we're coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, where an amazing organization called Iman, the Inner City Muslim Action Network, um, has always brought together spiritual leaders, cultural leaders, artists, and organizers together to be together, which is what we do on this podcast as well because of the fact that we really need each other and we learn so much from each other, that activism without culture uh, and art, art without a connection to the spiritual reality, you know, those things are really going to be incomplete. So Iman has this project called This Love Thing, where Rami Neshashibi, the Palestinian-American brother who grew up on the south side of Chicago, who heads Iman, uh, has, has brought together this this group of artists and musicians and uh, you know video folks and producers and engineers and audio people to create an experience around love. And so you know you'll hear that while we've been here, there have been things unfolding in the world. We're recording this on the day that we're you know going to present this project. And Rami Neshashibi and several of the players as Palestinians, this is the anniversary of the Nakba, which is the great catastrophe that happened when the state of Israel took over Palestine. Uh, 
and forced 700,000 people out of their homeland. And ever since then have been destroying lives, destroying homes, destroying trees, destroying culture, destroying history. It's, it's one of the scars on the face of humanity that, that we're living with. And it's not disconnected from what's happening on the south side of Chicago or in South Minneapolis with George Floyd. And while we were here, most of this crew is from Buffalo. Uh, a white gunman went to a, a, a grocery store where many of our folks that are here, that's directly in the heart of their neighborhood and just killed a bunch of, uh, you know, innocent black human beings. And so this is, this is the environment that we're in as we record this. So please enjoy this episode. I, I, you know, it's really hard to know how to have an intentional conversation with one of your dearest friends, uh, but we did our best. And Amir showed up and it's just Amir. So please enjoy. We're brought to you by Iman. We're brought to you by This Love Thing. We're brought to you by Zakat Foundation and Udimentary. So enjoy this episode of the Travelers Podcast. Ever since I knew that I wanted to have a podcast, like you were right, you already know that you were like right at the top of the of the list of people that I wanted to have. Alhamdulillah. And it's really dope and beautiful and fitting that we're doing this in Nashville with Iman. With it's the, perfect, this, actually. Yeah. With the project called This Love Thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we didn't meet through Iman, but I definitely, I, we've had a, a lot of our opportunities to be together have been because of Iman. Yeah, and I think that's one of the dope things about Iman is their intention to make that happen, like for these artists, you know, me and you and other artists that we love because of the nature of our <clears throat> our lifestyles, we don't get to, you know, cross paths every now and then, you know, ships in the night, but they facilitate a space, you know, the retreats and stuff like that. I Actually, I, now even more than maybe when it first started, I'm, I, I see the value in it and what would not have happened if they didn't make a very intentional, you know, the time and resources to make that happen, you know, and call all of us and get us all in the same place and get us doing things together. It's like when I think about you, I think about, you know, like Azhar and Mo, when I think about Maimuna, I think about Dre, I'm like, okay, like if it wasn't for a man, how often... Like, how often have I seen them outside of something related to a man? Right. And it'd be like, yeah, it would probably be... 50%, 70% of the times that I've seen them over the last five years, um, you know, or maybe even more, it was facilitated by you, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. <clears throat> like, I was just looking around at the at the room last night and just thinking to myself, like, okay, Kadir Latif, mm-hmm. you know, f- each of us for what we do are probably, like, there's an, a case to be made that not based on, you know, outward success or impact or anything like that, but just, like, take whoever we're talking about this a little bit before but like take whoever you think is the greatest at this thing Mm -hmm. you know take whatever like hood rapper that you got Mm -hmm. and have them sit or stand next to Kadir and they just both do their thing (laughs) like all things being equal put the same beat on let's do a, a sway situation and just see what's what and then anybody with words in general, like put them next to you and like sure. you're going to be their father. <laughs> like no matter who they are, how great they are. Anybody that's singing, that's alive in this moment, yeah. I'm hard pressed to think of anybody that can that can touch Drea for yeah. the feeling that she yeah, you know, evokes. And, it's like, yeah, it's all like the apex predators of their genres, you know what I'm saying? All yeah. in one space. And we all really... 
um, love each other, which is also a whole other thing that's difficult to accomplish. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And there's no, there's, there literally is not, it's not a, it's not a um, challenge or we don't have to be intentional about not bumping heads or having yeah. an ego thing or. Yeah, it's easy to take that for granted, man, because yeah, well, people, like you said, when you find people that talented, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes that comes with a, with a heavy dose of, of, of egotism and, mm-hmm. you know, of becoming very familiar with being treated in a certain kind of way and being in rooms with a certain type, you know, but there's just, it's not even something we have to fend off. It's like just. I haven't felt this just light. And last night was not a light night. Right, right, right. Like we're recording this and most of the crew that's here with us and doing this record are from Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And there was just this, you know, this like feral white supremacist, person went to a, a store, I guess, and sh- like shot a, a, mm-hmm. a lot of black people. Mm-hmm. And most of the crew that's with us right now are from Buffalo. Yeah, and that part of Buffalo, that, that's their neighborhood that, grocery yeah, store. Yeah, that's their yeah. specific spot. And so, <clears throat> you know, uh, Drea, who's really the musical director of this piece, last night was like, I'm gonna, we were doing a full rehearsal and she said, I'm only gonna do one or two of the songs and then I have to be done. And everybody was super respectful of that. And then we ended up doing hours i I lost track of time yeah yeah. but i know that that was one of the most like watching what was happening with her last night was like looking at the kaaba it was like you know like all of this studying and praying and reading and doing Mm. the the weird and doing all of this Mm -hmm. stuff and listening to and being with the mashiach and all that stuff is really important but I really I, like it was very clear that Allah was revealing to everybody in the room, but her specifically mm-hmm. because she stated like my th- my human vessel and my heart and everything is unable to do more than one thing. She said, I'm only doing this because I want to be respectful of everybody's time yeah. that people flew in to rehearse and be here. Right. But then she like really like Allah just revealed to yeah. her and spoke through her and revealed yeah. to all of us, man. So it was a heavy night. But the way that I felt afterwards and still now, like, you know, I was just joking that one time and I talked up on the podcast, I I, I ate a weed brownie by accident one time. It was just so nuts. And I woke up the next day like, man, okay, all right, it's over. I'm back to myself. And then after a few seconds, I realized like, it's not over. (laughs) And I felt that when I woke up today, like, man, I'm so happy I was in with, with, with deer. (laughs) And then I woke up today and I'm like, no, man, I'm still in it. Yeah, man. I did like, yeah, it's one of those things, you know, like that, like you said, the feeling was so heavy. And when she, you know, when Dre said, which everyone understood and no one questioned, like, I'm just going to do this one song and then we're going to rap. And for context, there was another, you know, hour and some change of rehearsal. We're going to run the whole show. Right. But instead, she was like, I'm just going to do the first song and then we're going to call it a day. You know what I mean? So uh, call it a night. And, you know, everyone was, you know, feeling that heaviness. Like you said, most of the people, um, you know, from Buffalo and from that neighborhood in Buffalo. Um, And and what I had secretly hoped, because my song is the second song. And so I was like, man, you know, especially as they started going into it and it's Drea and it's Maimuna, you know, and Phenom and like, you know, and I was feeling like, man, I, I wish I could kind of um have the opportunity to metabolize mm-hmm. what I'm feeling right. and and pour out, you know, in this in this place with these people. 
Um, but of course, you know, Jerry, like you said, is a musical director and there was no way, or it wasn't even fitting to even suggest or to lean into that at all. So I was, you know, uh, you know, the, we, we had to be 100% respectful of that. Um, but as she keeps playing after the song, you know, and, uh, you know, our sister gets up and starts dancing and then I kind of shoot the glance to Drea, like, you know. And, and I saw her. Yeah, she's, yeah. Because she's the know. director. Yeah, yeah. That's and it. I also love when people in general, but especially black people and especially black women, mm -hmm. just say, it. What she wasn't asking anybody. Yeah. She was saying, like, I'm going to do one song and then I am done. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was just, like, I really am a fan of that. Yeah, man. But then the fact that she just, but then she she felt moved. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like there were parts of those things that weren't scripted or planned. Oh, yeah. Or like one, any, uh, 100%. Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like, earnestly, I think our, so this song that we did, um, which is, I don't know, maybe three minutes, I have one verse poem. And there's a hook on either side of that. And as far as it, the way it's recorded, that's it. I think this song must have gone on for half an hour. You know what I'm saying? Like I have no, I, I had no, I wasn't keeping track of time. Yeah. But I was keeping track of like what was happening in my heart and in my body. Mm -hmm. Like there were so many things that like, you know, like we're both Muslim. You've been Muslim your whole life, you know, and I've been Muslim since I was 15, but I've been in church. I've like been in black church mm -hmm. and I've experienced that. Mm -hmm. And then also outside of church, there's those moments of, like creative power or like collective, like people healing and feeling together mm -hmm. and like what those experiences are and how they're so, they they touch the individual. Like I individually am having a journey and then Maimuna is here having one too. Yeah. And there's times where I'm like crying and rocking and like grunting and, mm -hmm. and moaning and then you know what I'm saying and then there's other times where I'm feeling serene and then she's doing it and then different mm. people in the room are having their own thing but yeah. and, but it's also a very collective yeah. and it's like man this is what this music has always been right. you know and it's one of the things that I'm like if you don't have the context for what that is yeah. and what's happening to the in, in the bodies of the people that are doing it right. you should not do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lie if you do it. Yeah. You're lying you're you it's because it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's like such a truncated version that's really missing the reason. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's you know in uh I, I, the track I did on Robert Glasper's last album, you know, I used this phrasing and I'm and I'm exploring that idea throughout the poem it's like we don't uh, play music we pray music you know and it's this this thing and actually that was borrowed from uh Fela Kuti we said you know you know don't play music because music is a spiritual thing you right. know yeah and if you understand um that it can allow for amazing miraculous things and if you don't understand that because the music still has its power it can be dangerous, you right. know? It can right. be dangerous. Yes. Like they talk about, uh, I don't I wish I knew who said this, but talked about um, uh, um, uh, like a, a orgasm is a is gnosis for the layman or something mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's like by way of this, you can get a moment of what transcendence is, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and likewise, 
that type of moment, Mm -hmm. even if you haven't conditioned your heart through much prayer and through much fasting and through much good works and so on, the types of um, acts that are generally required um, or that are encouraged to condition the heart Mm -hmm. in order to engage Mm -hmm. that experience, Mm -hmm. it's like a kind of um, shortcut in a way. That's not enough to sustain a person as a way of life, but it it, it can, you know... um, pricked up consciousness like oh this is what's possible this is what i can experience and if a person has already conditioned their heart to it for example like adrea um and really like everyone in that room right, you know what i mean right, that we've yeah. all kind of conditioned our our hearts or, or, or trying our best living a type of life that the likelihood that our hearts will be conditioned for that we're, we're seeking that way of life um <clears throat> it was yeah it was very um you know very um yeah, just visceral and mm. very palpable in the air and the feeling, like you said, seeing it pass around. Me, I have to disengage, strangely. Um, yeah. It's not that I'm disengaged from the people, but I'm not quite sure what happens. But when I'm uh, entering into those states, like, I don't, like, make eye contact with anyone or yeah. I don't, I don't know, because I, I'm I'm very much there with everyone. I don't know, but maybe it's like a part of my conscious self. I don't want to re... Oh, maybe this is it. It's like I'm I'm, I'm, I'm in another place, and I feel like if I... I and I don't want to re-engage with the work, like with the mm-hmm. material mm-hmm. dimension. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to re-attach or even make myself re-aware because I'm in... Uh, you know, I'm like in a dream state almost, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And But it's, it can be very fragile. So just one moment of self-consciousness or mm-hmm. one moment of seeing myself, like me, seeing my uh, body by way of someone else, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. looking at someone looking at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then I can get, the, oh, how do I look? Or what, are, what are the, or you know, any of that nafsi <clears throat> selfhood material hint of that then i i have to disengage from where i am so in order to stay where i am in in a way i i I disengage Mm -hmm. but you know i i i'm engaged on in another way in another place very 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 deeply it's a trip man because with drea you know drea and i have only recorded once or twice before, you know, but we've performed a lot together. And almost all the times we perform, it's always impromptu and mm-hmm. um, it's always um, improv, you know. And so, you know, at the retreats and stuff like that, I say, you know, let's let's do something. We don't talk about it at all before. And when I sit down, I don't give her any instruction mm-hmm. or i don't give her any even suggestion she doesn't give me any instruction injection uh, or or um suggestion and then say okay and she just starts playing and you know and then i start going and i'll go in and we'll be vibing and i'll be you know making up the poetry as i'm going for maybe 15 minutes 20 minutes you know however long mm-hmm. um and i'll never look at her you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. as things are right. rising and falling and so on and so on, maybe not until the end to signify like, okay, let's let's finish. But I look at her at the very beginning and I don't look at her because even engaging with her as like this finite human person named Drea, right. 
uh, I, I have to like f- forget about that mm-hmm, her mm-hmm. in that way and uh but we're having a very deep conversation right you know right. what i'm saying so most of 90 percent of last night was was un you know unrehearsed unknown before the moment it came out and i feel like dre is the only person like i've seen you with a lot of great people and it seems like the best they can do is i've never been in a room with you and glasper mm-hmm. but what i've seen you know i've seen footage of it and i've heard recordings of it and things like that it seems like glasper knows how to create an environment for you mm-hmm. and then back off and like let you let mm-hmm. you just be amir in that environment <laughs> and it seems like Dave doesn't know how to be with you. <laughs> it, like Dave has to break it. Right. Dave has to make a fart, like a fart joke or something. Dave has to do something right. to just be like, to, he's got to be the level. Uh, right. Like he can't, like he really wants you. He need, he knows he needs what you're doing. Right. And like you described it as changing the weather. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm going to yeah. change the weather in that joke. Right. You know what I'm saying? And the odd thing is, usually the way I feel uh-huh. is like, <clears throat> you know, like if he'll ask me to, to, to do something, mm-hmm. It's almost like it's like, hey man, you know I'm gonna change the weather. Like, meaning, yeah. are you sure you want to do this? Because it's right. not gonna be the same yeah, afterwards. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? And I'm sensitive to that, particularly for comedians who, who uh, comedians of uh, entered into just more um, and deeper relationship with comedians in this part of my life, which is mm-hmm. interesting, which I which I'd like to talk uh, about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you saw the the, the footage uh, when we're in the Blue Note, Glassburn, yeah. and Dave. Which is I'm going to ask, what, how how did you see that? How did you? Aida Rashid, who's been shout out on this show a couple Mashallah, times. Aida. Aida Rashid is like she's the missing, she's the hidden like <laughs> she's one of those people that um, she never wants to be known, and mm-hmm. the Aliyah are like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like Shaitan wants to be seen and known, and wants everybody to say my name uh-huh. but like you know the LDR like they would be and she's like the the mortar that holds so many bricks together yeah, yeah, it's true. that don't realize it yeah, it's Rami true. is like that too Mashallah. which is why yeah. we're here you know what I'm yeah. saying but man Aida has like I, we both I know we both like look at her as this figure yeah, that's like, yeah, yeah. and she's younger than us a little bit <laughs> yeah. and she's very tiny and soft spoken but yeah. I know we both see her like you're our grandmother. A great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a great, great woman. Mashallah. Yeah, she sent it to me. I don't know how she got it. I don't know where she found it. It's just because she's Aida Rashid. Cause, yeah, because, uh, you know, my wife Indigo is the one who found, because I was telling her about it. She was like, man, it's so, someone recorded. But, you know, Dave is very particular about right. moments being, you know, recorded. But that recorded. was Glasper's show, and Dave just... Yeah, yeah. It was all, you know, Dave was across the street at, um, you know, the... the um, what do you call it? The underground, the comedy cellar. And, um, you know, Blue Note is right across the street. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, so Dave just pops in, you know? And so they're on stage playing music, talking, joking. And Glass was a funny guy, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know what I mean? oh, he's, man. Uh, yeah. I don't know, know him, but I, but, from it's, following him, I know he's... It's so funny how... I love how he gets in Common's behind, man. Like, he doesn't let Common have a moment's peace. <laughs> and somebody has to do that. Right. Because Common, yeah, Common is so respected. Common is so, such a beautiful person, but, yeah. but there's times where it's kind of like, come on, man, yeah. show me Rashid sometimes, uh, man. And he, But he will not do it. He's got a very, like, I have to be a, I have to provide a positive image. for. <laughs> but when Glasper's there, he's just like, man, you big head ass. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's dope. Yeah, man. And uh, actually, the other night, because they, they were there for a few nights. Mm. Glass was there for a few nights. And actually, one of the nights, uh, yeah, Common was there. But, you know, so they, so they called me on stage, Dave and, uh, and Robert, and, 
you know, <laughs> so we we've done the blue note. You know, when he when Glass was there before us a few times, and um, most of the time, well, I could think the last maybe the last two times, I think I did like an improv thing as well, right? Mm. And uh, but I was just such in a vibe, you know. We've been hearing him play for the last hour. I was in such a zone, mm -hmm. and you know, and I'm like, yo, let's just do something. Let's make mm -hmm. something right now, and you know, and it was nice. So when I get on stage this time, he's like, yeah, let's make something up. I'm like, yo, that's not like for every time. Like I just, yeah, I was in man. a certain You're state, right, you know right, what I'm right, saying? Right. But and he doesn't like whisper it to me, you know. Music no, he said on the mic. Yeah. Hey, let's not do anything scripted. Let's yeah. just make something up. And for a jazz musician, that's very different than a poet who pours over. You've been, you've written one poem for thirteen years. Yeah, yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, one yeah. joint. Yeah, it's your yeah. epic joint. Exactly. Yeah, but, man. Yeah, man. That's not always the thing. Cause, but because Rashid can do it, Common can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that type of MC. You right. Know what I mean, but it's not even with him. And mm -hmm. even with great freestylers that have it, like his freestyling is not going to be his songs. Right. Like, man, give me some common songs, too. <laughs> right, right, right. We can have fun and play around, but yeah, give me give me some of the joints. Yeah. So, you know, and Dave is there and, you know, so anyway, start going into this piece. And there has been this phrase, this line that's been rolling around in my mind for, for a long time. And, and I felt like, damn, this should be a, a, a poem, but I hadn't crack the code on it yet you know um and so you know he's playing the music and everyone is starting to settle down everyone is quiet and he's playing and my eyes are closed and i'm trying to f find the vibe to you know and and then i say the first line uh you know you know you will be someone's ancestor act accordingly and Dave, who's not who's sitting down right. like side stage, but he has a mic, and, and he, he says, "I can't remember what he says." It's like, "Oh shit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no so, pressure." And he goes, "I'm sorry, man. I'm just so, messing around." <laughs> so then everybody laughs. Right. I laugh. Right. Blasphemy laughs. But you just audience. found that's the way what I'm in. saying. You're so. like, "Oh, this is this is what we're doing." <laughs> right, right. You will be somebody's ancestor. <laughs> Act accordingly, and you hear people go, "Whoa!" You hear right, that like right, go right. through the, the people, response. and the, and and then Dave's like, "Nope." <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> like, he cuts it. Yeah, he cuts it, yeah. and we all laugh, whatever. And, and you know, and like you said, you know, in those moments when you find, um, you know, it's rare enough to have that good, you know, freestyle session. Uh, but then when you find it, mm -hmm. for it to break it and come back to it's even more rare. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, so I'm right. like, "Oh wow, okay, we're." So, uh, but Hamdulillah ended up being very, very beautiful. And we ended up, you know, engaging beautifully. But, you know, poets and comedians often share the same space. Like on the, on the, on the, like, uh, the, the ground level, meaning mm. like at open mics and stuff like that. A lot of times, poets and comics share the same venues, mm. share the same bills. Like a comedian will host a, a poetry night or poets will host a comedy night. Like, for example, in Chicago, dear sister Emerald Green, you know, she does a lot of that programming. And, um, you know, uh brother named um, uh, Chris and... Abyss in Atlanta who used to have this uh, live poet society and a lot of times poetry and comedy clubs or com mm -hmm. comedians hosting poetry nights. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> and this is actually one of the things um, uh, Dave and I would bond on because she, he used to host a poetry night when in New York when he was, you know, much younger starting off in his, uh, in his craft. And so, you know, but comedians have a have a route by which to become 
mm-hmm. celebrities. You know, what I mean, it could become great craftsmen in their in their in their work. <clears throat> but poets, so poets and comedians would be like this, and then poets just don't have a a route. There's no there's no industry yeah there's no it's a, and this is what we had talked about I was like you know it's like I'm an artist without an industry and um, you know there's not a path you mm-hmm. know so we were talking about that and how to develop that and and you know we did the album the 846 album and got the Grammy nomination and um, talking about doing some other stuff to, together because he really appreciates poetry and poets generally really appreciate comedy because mm-hmm. it's such a mm-hmm. they're so similar they're like flip sides of the same coin exactly like they're, they're both are like like really pulling from something inside and trying to put words to things that other people do not have the words for right. and it but feels, they need the words for yeah, yeah. and they it almost feels impossible and that's why com- com- comedians and poets are so necessary mm-hmm. for us to even understand our our inner dimension better right you know what i'm saying and and then really having the the craftsmanship to know exactly the right timing exactly mm-hmm. the right because you know for you to start with a line like you will be somebody's ancestor act accordingly mm-hmm. and then all the places you'll go mm-hmm. within that and then you know that you're going to come back to mm-hmm. that at the end mm-hmm. uh and so there's a journey so you propose this idea and it's like damn and then you're going to you're going to give a a, a a sermon on that that mm-hmm. will educate and then so then when you come back to it it's 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 very similar to music too in the sense that like creates a tension. Yeah. That when when he said when he said that he's cutting the tension. Right. Right. Because that's a really huge thing to say. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, but through your uh, eloquence of of describing that, you're gonna un- like let everybody know how that what that means and how it happens, yeah. and so that by the time when you get done, it's like the resolution of a line. Yeah. A, 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 like a like a a, a melody. Yeah. It has to resolve, otherwise it leaves you feeling tense and it's wrong right but when it resolves it feels so good right, right. the same as like when when a uh, when a battle when a battle uh mc is like going through all of this stuff and then he hits the last punchline it's like oh right 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 right, right. And, yeah. and, and comedians you know when they when they do a callback you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying right, right, so right. you know I, I make this joke and, and it's funny the first time but then I take you on this i meander and dave is a master at this well mm-hmm. his stories on meander and they're they're so interesting, mm-hmm. even when they're not um, very. Um, they're funny, but it's you know you'll laugh and stuff during the journey. But it's more interesting than funny. Mm-hmm. It's just you want to hear how this goes. Mm-hmm. So he'll meander all, go all these places, and then arrive back at that place. Yeah. It's like oh we're home. It's like right. oh we we got back at here. Home. You know. At home, and the, yeah. And that's what you're saying as far as just settles the spirit. Another thing about poets and comedians is the the, the purity of the form mm-hmm. that there's no accompaniment of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, um, you know, I mean, every once in a while, someone will maybe have a screen like Hudson Min had, had the, uh, the for Homecoming King. He had this kind of thing going on on stage or, you know. Maybe here and there, there may be some things. But Kevin did a thing with <clears throat> pyrotechnics. Exactly. You like, know of I mean? course he did. But, you know what I mean? Yeah, which was a joke in and of itself. Right, you know? right, right. And, you know, so it's just a guy, just a person mm-hmm. on stage mm-hmm. with their words and right. their minds and their heart and the minds and hearts and ears of the people. And so it's pure. No matter how big you get, 
you know, uh, even when you're Dave Chappelle and you're not at the Hollywood Bowl, sold out Hollywood Bowl for four nights and, you know, is 20,000 people out in front of you. You're just a guy on an empty stage, mm -hmm. you know, with a mic, maybe a mic stand, maybe a stool yeah. for your maybe drink. Maybe a wall to lean you, on. You know There's not even many things to do with your body. That's what I mean. You, you know, with a, with, a, with a rapper, there's all kind of stuff. There's, you can grab your private parts. You can, you can do different parts, especially the way where we come from. Right, right. You know what I mean? You can jump, you can run back yeah. and forth, you can But there's none of that. And the and the way that you use that is part of the art form. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like the way that like Chris Rock is a really yeah, great yeah. example pacing. of like yeah, yeah. pacing and, yeah. and you know, this almost like attack. Right. It's an right. assault. Right, right. Like, but let me go shoot the people over here, <laughs> right. let me shoot you over here. Right, yeah. right. And as I was saying, so it's it's just talking. It's mm -hmm. just the bilingual that people use for 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 talking. And um, you know, and so in my life now, you know, I would say, I don't know, maybe in the last five years or so, my life is full of comedians, man. Mm. Like, you know, Rami, you know, as you know, uh, I, I, you know, write and produce the, um, on his show and, you know, my relationship with Dave and then by way of Dave, relationship with Donnell or, or John Stewart, um, for example, um, with Azhar and Mo, which, you know, Mo is the one who called me to come to Ohio to, mm -hmm. <clears throat> really Mo is the connector and really all of that, to tell you the truth, because Mo is the one who connected me with Dave, yeah. although Dave was familiar with my, my, my work, but he's the one that actually brought us together, yeah. you know. And, Same for me. <clears throat> you know, and, um, and Rami as well, you know, he, uh, I, Azhar uh, and Mo, we crossed paths in uh, in the Bay, you know, a few summers ago. Mm -hmm. You know, it was one of those things like, yo, you're here, oh, where? you know. So mm -hmm. we got up and went to, uh, you know, get food, and um, we ended up meeting Habib. Uh, you know, what I'm saying, Subhanallah. no, know. we all love him so much and can never one of us say his last name. I know, Habib. Alhamdulillah, right. Alhamdulillah, guys. That's his new last name. Habib, Alhamdulillah, guys. Alhamdulillah, guys. I'm gonna smash your boy. I'm gonna smash your boy, guys. You know, so yeah, so we we met him. And, yeah, it was just one of those adventures, you know, on the road. Anyway, when they went, because the next day they were going to uh, L.A. to 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 work on the show, and so I happened to come up a conversation also with uh, Mahershala as well, who was on that season, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, anyway, like. Poet, I mean, uh, comedians have, uh, in in my personal life and in my professional life, really profound in my professional life, actually. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, the, the Grammy was by way of, you know, Dave, the project with Dave, and, you know, so just a lot of that. And so watching comedians work, not just on the stage, but how they craft, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> how they craft what they do, is so fascinating it to really me. Is. And it's one of the, because I've always had an affinity with MCs. I always felt the natural affinity with right. MCs and, and the similar, we're similarities. Like, we're first cousins. Yeah, exactly. Or we're you like, know what I mean? yeah. And so, and but with comedians, it's like, yeah, there's, there's a similarity. Um, but this is a strange thing, though, because I think about when I'm at, I, I'm doing poetry at a hip-hop environment mm -hmm. and when I'm doing poetry in a comedian, comic environment, um, that both of them, it's like, yeah, this works, but I'm always mm -hmm. um, a pivot or mm -hmm. a surprise mm -hmm. or a strange thing. I, I haven't really, of course, I've done poetry and poetry events, but 
the largest events that I do, you know, when I did sound set, you know, when you mm. invited me to sound set, what was that, like 2018, 17, 18, something like yeah. that? Um, or, um, you know. Sound set was 30,000 that year. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, and so people aren't there to hear me personally. They don't. You came out at the, um, at Berkeley Bowl too. Do you spit, remember you spit at Berkeley Bowl? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Wow, wow, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I I forgot about that until this moment. Yeah, and so you know, it's like I'm always, you know, in knowing what I have to deliver, mm. you know, that like the weather's gonna change in here because, um, one, they're not expecting what I'm gonna do. Mm -hmm. Most of them probably have never heard what not just Amir, but what I'm about to do, the, the genre even, mm -hmm. they're not even aware of, you know, probably. Right. And so it's always a, a strange, just this is just occurring to me now, how many of some of the um, largest performances I've ever done in my life for my whole career have always been in front of people that didn't, didn't sign up for it, you know that they weren't. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. It's just like you're gonna get you're gonna get this work whether you, know you want saying? it or not. And uh, yeah. and I was like, man, I wonder what They've it'll all be been like. Captive audiences that, yeah. that came for some other reason and getting surprised and like blindsided <laughs> by this guy, you know. And, and I'm just, I've, 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 I've gone comfortable that. in that, and yeah. so I, I, you know, I do it. But I was thinking, I was like, man, what will it be like? Mm to do something like that with people who are primed and excited right. and ready yeah. to hear what I do. Yeah. I haven't had that experience yet, but you know. We're grateful to be joined, as always, by the Zakat Foundation. Z-A-K-A-T is the pillar in the Islamic tradition that deals with giving back, with sharing, with charitable giving. And the Zakat Foundation operates all over the world, wherever people are. It's a Muslim-led organization, but they don't only serve Muslims, and they don't use their charitable work to proselytize, which is also so, it's always so whack to me. When people are like, hey, do you want some food or some, you know what I mean? You want to go to school? Okay, but you got to join our religion, you know what I mean? Serving humanity just for the fact that, that it's an honor to do so. Um, Zakat Foundation also has people on the ground of the cultures where they work that are directing the work. So, you know, so when they're in West Africa, uh, you know, in Senegal, there are this, the, the people that are on the ground are making sure that it's done with uh, respect and with high quality and done in a way that's actually helpful. You know, it's done, it's done with the, the knowledge that the people that are experiencing the challenges, those are the experts. And so this, it, there's not this like savior complex of people coming in doing charity work. So if you head to Zakat, Z-A-K-A-T-U-S, that's their social media. You can also head to their website, you know, the Zakat Foundation. Um, I'm saying that also I know those people and I know the organizers. And I know that when serious questions come up, they are open to explore that stuff. Um, you know, whenever you try to do something good, there are there are mistakes, there are bumps along the way. And sometimes you end up causing harm unintentionally. And most 
charity organizations that, that I've experienced that with, when I try to talk to them about it, they protect their bottom line, they protect their budget, they protect their hierarchy, they protect their reputation. The conversations I've had with the Cop Foundation, if I bring something to them, they've already considered it. In their in their orphan program, they said, we're not going to show you pictures of the orphans and let you choose because it's not a dating app. And people are racist and they're going to choose lighter skinned children. And when they removed that option to do that, they noticed a huge... And for them to say that, like ruffled feathers in the in the orphan service community because they're like, are you saying that we might be racist? And they're like, yeah, the world is ruled by white supremacy. People without even knowing it are going to choose white kids or lighter kids. These are people that I mess with and I rock with, so I couldn't endorse them more highly. They've been sponsors and supporters from the beginning of this podcast. So check out the Zakat Foundation. comedy and poetry also is such a huge claim to make mm-hmm. like so if somebody is so dave is like i'm a comedian you're gonna laugh mm-hmm. and everyone's like yeah you're a comedian i'm gonna laugh but then he can be poetic mm-hmm. so when he tells those stories he does them in a yeah. very poetic way right. but nobody's expecting that so when he does it it's just like oh my god yeah. you know what i mean and somebody like um you know, sometimes when I'm speaking or something like that, I'll say something funny and it gets gr- amazing laughs. <laughs> right. And there are people that have been like, yo, have you ever thought about doing comedy? No. Mm-hmm. Because the second you have that claim that like, I'm going to be funny now right. or I'm going to be poetic now, right. then everyone's looking at you with such... <laughs> and the reality is that the overwhelming majority of people that try to do it are awful. Awful. They're so bad. Yeah. And bo- both comedy... Like, if somebody's a bad rapper, it's still not... You can still stomach it. Mm-hmm. You can still just kind of be like, oh, this isn't that great. But it's usually, it's rarely offensively bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Every now and then it is. Yeah. And that's really fun for us. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Right. You just be like, oh, this is, you know. But most of the time, like an opener, when they're like, hey, we got a local opener. It's like, all right, cool. Right. I'm going to go for a walk during that. <laughs> right. so, you know what I'm saying? But a poet or a comedian that aren't that deal yet yeah. is really awful yeah like cringy uncomfortable to watch and this is one of the things what i what i say about comedians um when i compare poetry and comedy and in some ways i find comedy to be more pure Mm. um because in many ways you know it's kind of our claim you know so to speak from poets like you know our our form is the most pure like we just it's just us on it's the not. stage, and we just it can recite, be. right? It can be, but, but the, it's the, not. the craft, the craft itself, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing about comedy that gives it, in my opinion, mm-hmm. a degree above poetry is that, to your point, if I if I say if I Let's say if a poet, you know what I'm saying, isn't yeah, doing well. Yeah, come you're on, on stage, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? I will be left. <laughs> but you know, it's people are just quiet and polite. You know what I mean? Right. One, because of the nature of poetry. <laughs> generally people don't um what do you call it? Uh when you heckle. People don't heckle poets, yeah. generally speaking. Man, we need to kill we <laughs> <laughs> there's there some there's some venues like that. Except for the Apollo. Yeah. Oh man, a poet at the Apollo or a comedian at the Apollo, it's like they can't wait. Which is one yeah, which is one of the great things about Jessica Caramore, who oh, yeah. tore down the Apollo record. Yeah, like seven record times in time, a row or you something. Know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah, shout out to Jessica Caremore, one of the one of the greats of our of our Absolutely. art form. 
And, um, you know, but generally, because people generally are talking about something very emotional, very close to their heart, right. so generally people are polite. It's very personal. It's very positive. Yeah. So you're you're really not a good It's like being. doing gospel at the Apollo, right. where it's like, this is trash, but you're singing about Jesus. I'm not going to yeah. boo you off the stage. Right. Sandman Muslim, feels shy. I mean, Muslim, Muslim hip-hop is like that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Where you're just like, man, this is really bad, but they're invoking all the things <laughs> right. that matter so, most to me. So, so all right, mashallah. Do? All right, we'll let you rock. <laughs> right, we'll let you rock. But, um, you know, a comedian, again, because of the unique claim of the comedian, that I'm going to make you laugh. And laughter is different than applause mm -hmm. because a poet, they'll applaud right. just out of politeness at the end. Yep. And if people are silent during the poem, oftentimes that's good. Mm -hmm. you're like you're, It can be very good or very bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's ambiguous enough that it's not that cringy, you know, feeling that you see when you see a bad comic. And the thing about making people laugh as opposed to just having people applaud is because laughter is an involuntary mm -hmm. physiological event. Well, there's a fake laugh. There's a fake I laugh. I'm saying I've I have seen I've been there with my comedian friends mm -hmm. and I've laughed supportingly. <laughs> right. And and actually Mo is the one that was like, Don't do that. Mm. That's worse than silence. Like when a mm. comedian knows their friend is laughing to mm. be like out of politeness, right. that's the worst insult. Right. You know what I'm saying? So there's times where I'll be like, ha ha ha, ha. Right. You know what I mean? And and I, and was, I was doing that with a particular friend of Mo. And so I wasn't doing it for Mo, but uh -huh. I was doing it for his friend. Uh -huh. You probably know who I'm talking about. And that that comedian actually said something to me on stage, and then afterwards Mo was like, "Do not politely yeah. laugh. We know the difference, right. and it's and that's so sad. So such a pure, but a, but a, in in authentic applause is is less. It's um, pizza. discernible. Like even if it's bad, even a bad applause is yeah. still decent. It's decent. You can walk off and still have some dignity. Walk yeah. off the stage and you'd be okay. Laughter is sushi. It's either really yeah. good or it's just not. horrible. Man. Yeah, and. and Laughter is such a um, strange thing in mm. and of itself. Mm. It's like, why do we even laugh? Like as a species, mm -hmm. like why do we have laughter? Why I hear something mm. that engages my mind in an interesting way, and then my diaphragm has this involuntary motion, and the muscles in my face stretch and expose my teeth. Uh, um, I'm beside myself, meaning I, I sometimes you can't stop the smile or you can't stop right. the laughter like yeah. what is that for i don't even understand yeah. what it's for you know and it's mean? uniquely human that's what i mean it's like why and so to be able to elicit into force really mm -hmm. that involuntary physiological anatomical response out of a person it's like it has so it's pure in the way that the reaction that a comedian gets isn't contrived it's not pretend it's not polite mm -hmm. to you it's with the few exceptions of like what you were doing with most friend you know what i'm saying so it's like i've come to respect that i've I already had a deep respect for it but now being in the you know backstage and, and seeing you know how the sausage is made so to speak mm -hmm. and hearing them talk to each other about jokes and about language and about how to make this thing funnier like this turn or this addition or this uh, omission of, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, man, there's a lot of tinkering. Mm -hmm. And so the amount of work, you know, so to do an hour, you know, a, a comedian, you know, it's not strange for a whole year for them to be 
in front of audiences. I mean, a year is a short thing. time. Yeah, that's a quick like when Louis when Louis C.K. started doing a year, yeah. everybody was like, "Man, f this dude! Yeah, How are man, you doing?" It's that? crazy, right? They were really upset with that. And so, and a lot of that tinkering happens in front of people, right? So, you know, we talked about this before, where I compare them with um, who also a group of people I really admire are uh, skaters mm -hmm. because skaters accustom themselves to failure mm -hmm. over and over and over again mm -hmm. without giving up, without even um, the idea of giving up. It's like they very much understand mm -hmm. failure is just a part of the process. And you're going to fail, 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 go home, sleep, recover, come back, fail, 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 yeah. fail, fail, fail. You saw the so, Tony Hawk documentary? No, I haven't. Dude, the Tony Hawk documentary, like he's in his 50s now. And the whole, I only watched the first episode, but the first 20 minutes is him attempting this like crazy spin as a 50 year old man in a half pipe by himself, just busting his, like, bah, God, and it's, it, it, you can feel it hurts. Mm. Like he's genuinely like, ah, mm. and you just see him do it again and again and again and again. Like, and what again type again of character does that develop? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And what kind of, um, you know, it's like, man, I, I wish one day, you know, I would raise a skater. I wish my son would be a skater. It's like such a noble it really is. Um, uh, profession, or not even a profession, a noble um, uh, art form. Uh, to, almost to call it a hobby, it's almost too cheap. Cause it's such, it's like, no, yes, it's, like a, it's like a kung fu monk or something, or absolutely. like a, a, a person or who's a, like yeah. dedicated themselves immensely. And like comedy, there's no questioning whether or not they landed the trick. Yeah. Also like comedy, uh, there are elements of style that can yeah. be added. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So there are certain people that land the trick, but they also there's something they're doing with their body. Very, I mean, it's a sport. I think it's yeah. got to be seen as like it's very similar to like Jordan. Right. You know what I mean? Or or you know artists that you either hit the shot or you didn't. But then there's just an element of style and <laughs> right, like swag right. with it that right, right, is, right. is there or it's not. Right. But there's no denying whether or not you landed the trick or got the laugh or hit the basket. And in the public failure nature of comedy, where you're gonna work on this stuff, this hour's not ready. This right. joke is not ready. Right. I know it's not ready. Right. I'm gonna go out in front of people with the claim that I'm a comedian and I'm funny. And you can't rehearse by yourself. That's you what I'm saying. You cannot rehearse it without people. You have to have people there to be like, no. And that's why I elevated even above basketball or even above skateboarding because it's like you have to do that part mm -hmm. in front of people over, 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 over. So I have to be not funny, but I have to either believe in this joke or believe in myself as a comedian or whatever that I'm willing to suffer that public failure right and they and they take it like you know especially the ones who are are good you know the ones who are seasoned the ones who are professionals the moles and the john stewart's and the daves and the you know and they're just like yeah this is just part of the process you know mm -hmm. and when people understand that failure is just a part of life and it's the route to success that type of person that that really accepts that because many people if they're not good at a thing they stop because they fail but for these types of people, right. comedians in particular, because they do it in front of people, and that's the real challenge, is the ego self not wanting to feel that, and that's why we'll give up on the thing, because yeah. I'm embarrassingly bad. Sometimes we're so embarrassingly bad privately about, with something that we don't even want to feel the experience of being whack at this thing, so we stop, you know? Yeah. But uh, comedians, they, it, it produces a different type of person that I really that characteristic of theirs I very much admire. This is a very unpopular hip-hop opinion, but I mean, I think Nas is the greatest rapper that has the most horrible, the, the largest amount of horrible music. Mm. Like Nas has a large body, and his, in my opinion, I'm gonna get roasted for this, but like, I think he's one of the greatest of all time. Definitely. And I'm saying this as to your point. I think that Nas has, 
I don't know if he even knows when he's being great. Mm. I think he's always just showing up and serving the moment in whatever way feels right to mm -hmm. him. And, and I'm saying every Nas fan is mad at him most of the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because they know that when he hits, it's going to be, he also has some of the greatest hip hop music that will ever be made. Right. You know what I'm saying? And when he hits, it's like all the stuff that speaks to us most probably. Right. Whereas like, you know, Jay-Z's perspective in life doesn't always line up with us like mm -hmm. sometimes it does but other times it's not uh, not perfect lineup mm -hmm. alignment but it's like it's so amazing you know what i'm saying i said one time like man jay-z for a while was like the bob marley of capitalism <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying like he just made it so you know right. um That's funny. but with nas like man he's made so much bad music and and put it out and his and people sizzle him for it mm -hmm. but then when it's right it's absolutely the best jay-z on the other hand has this this like there's this feeling that like no hove's always perfect mm. but it's not true mm. like he's failed really big in his career mm -hmm. like trying to and it's usually when he's trying to make hits mm -hmm. like he'll never fail when he's just rapping right, right like that one all usually the problems aren't his verses ever right like there's nothing like that's going to always be perfect but you know, some of the decisions that he's making in terms of trying to expose this stuff to other audiences, mm -hmm. you get like Justify My Thug or something. Mm -hmm. Where it's like these verses are incredible. Right. But the, but the song itself. Yeah. So, but there, there still is like, even with some of the greatest, man, there's, you have to fail publicly. Yeah. Because of the fact that you have to extend yourself in such a way that others haven't done it. That's the necessity of, of being a leader. Yeah. Is a person has this inner this inner voice this inner calling that i think is a type of rep we think is a type of rep we know is a type of revelation that's like this hasn't been done yeah. because the source of all things is revealing this to me and if i haven't seen it done before so either i'm a biter which is basically um an apprentice mm -hmm. like we're like no biting but everybody is an apprentice mm -hmm. of something mm -hmm. until they learn the basics and can mm -hmm. start to develop their own thing but so like if this has never been done before the likelihood of me it's almost like you would be landing this trick or hitting this jumper or uh you know getting this laugh on the first time out mm -hmm. is almost none right and so um you know the idea that people are like exploring these things publicly and at the like the level of scrutiny that that they have now yeah you know what i'm saying for like you know you, you said the wrong thing you did the wrong thing there's an angle that maybe you didn't consider yeah you know what i'm saying or there's you know is really strange it's very and, strange yeah. and it starts to make the artist feel like y'all don't want art you want drugs <laughs> right drugs make you happy no matter what right. that's what you want you yeah. want a drug yeah art is gonna make everybody hella uncomfortable yeah. for a long time yeah. until it lands yeah and it's gonna be wrong yeah and we're gonna say things that are like you know and spiritual people are like that sometimes too yeah we're yeah. like because they're honestly revealing and you know and it's not scripture right and they're not claiming it's scripture right but it's like this is a this is a journal of an experience that i'm having yeah man and it's it's uh and how much we miss out if we develop a society that doesn't allow mm -hmm. public failure, right, you know? Right. And if we're discouraging and we take these types of what we're talking about, public failure in the, in the way that we mean and how, how, well, you know what? Actually, 
Right now, I'm realize I'm going to tell you what I was about to say, but I'm going to tell you why it's wrong. <clears throat> also, that you know, if we develop a society where people can't fail, mm-hmm. and we and we make the consequences for failure so severe and so complete mm-hmm. and unredeemable, and like just finish people, you know, um, then we'll miss out on so many great people mm-hmm. that could have failed. Right over and over and over again, and then thereafter become great and serve the world and society in such a wonderful way. The reason I don't know if that's true or what I'm considering, an alternative I'm considering of that right now is that maybe as the society raises the stakes on failure, it will produce even greater people, meaning... The, right, the, the, right, the people right, right. who will yeah. make it through yeah. at this point. <laughs> up in the ante to the point where right. Only I'm the, going to be the devil <laughs> in the eyes of the public if I, yeah. And the willingness to still do, right. and still, still take risks now. Yeah. Um, it's going to just be martyrs only. Yeah, exactly. Only martyrs apply. You right, know what I'm right, right. And so that the person who is willing to, you know, engage in these affairs, you know, um, uh, the the level of all of the levels of what I was saying about skateboarders and comedians, whatever, it's like the creme de la creme of that type of personality. Or fools, you know, meaning people that just <laughs> don't know enough to be afraid, so right. they don't know enough to be courageous yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh, Abdul Hakim Murad said, polygamy is for only for the best men and the worst men. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mediocre you know dudes don't, can't, don't even... Podcasts are either for the worst men or the best men. It's, oh the, nature. Oh <laughs> it's, the, it's the nature of it. Oh you know man. what I'm saying? really blessed to throughout my career be in in partnership and community with the beautiful people at Iman I M A N Inner City Muslim Action Network um you know this is headed by a Palestinian American brother from the south side of Chicago but really directed by the people in that community and their work is just so expansive you know if i could talk about some of their programs they have a joint called the green reentry where you know uh, men, particularly black men, um, in prison. You know, we read the new Jim Crow, you realize like this is a structural reality to make sure that as many black men as possible go to prison and are still legally enslaved in this country. And so, and then when people come out, the chances to actually succeed are by design almost nothing. The idea is that there's recidivism and all this kind of stuff, people, this revolving door of prison, that once somebody's in the system, it's almost impossible. One of the main reasons is because it's difficult to live a dignified life financially. And so what Iman did is create a program where brothers come home, and women too, but people come home from prison and come back to their community. So all of these dilapidated, neglected, blighted homes in the community, they choose a block and they use the 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 money to the grant money and 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 donations to buy up a block. And then the people coming home learn the trades and the skills to rehab and at the homes. And then usually 
those folks end up buying those homes and living in a community so that this block that was dangerous, got boarded up houses where people are experiencing nightmares, they turn it into a, a, a revived community. And then also a lot of these folks end up owning their own businesses in the trades. So literally seeing people's lives be turned around and also building community around that and then bringing arts together. So the project that we're here doing right here doing now is called This Love Thing, where you know, Rami Neshashibi actually, for as much as the artists step into the activist space, I stepped into the activism space in a large part, like l- being tutored, mentored by him and his crew. And I got all the way in it. Like I was active, organizing, went to jail, got laws passed. I really got in it. So when Rami stepped into the artist space, he wrote these like gut-wrenching songs that reveal his soul. He came all the way in it and then brought us all in. So uh, check out... Uh, Iman, the Inner City Muslim Action Network, um, support their programs and check out the album. The album's actually out now, documentary to come for this love thing. Really, really grateful to be in community and partnership with Iman. A new sponsor for this podcast is a product that I use. Um, I've used for a long time. It's something that, you know, I'm so happy to spread the word about, which is Oud or Oud, O-U-D. Oud is a particular, you know, people have started to really embrace burning sage and burning things like Palo Santo and incense and things because of the reality that for us to really, you know, clear space, set the intention, set the energy, create a vibe, allow for healing and wholeness, that it's got to be a holistic thing that includes all of our senses. It's got to be a somatic thing. Um, And also those things do have power. Oud is something that's been used throughout time and it's much more, it's, it's rare, but it's extremely powerful. Basically these trees that grow in Southeast Asia called aloes wood get infected with a fungus and they create antibodies that the creator blessed them with that unless they're infected with that fungus, they can't release them, but they release them to fight the fungus. And then if you were to take that wood that's healed from that, um, Mm, it's really beautiful. The the wood that heals from that, the trees that heal from that, if you distill it into oil, that's the particular thing that has a scent like none other. You know, Muslims are known for our oils, but most of the time we're rocking these heavily diluted oils. When you smell oud, it's the truth. It's a hug from your grandmother. It's this pound cake that we ate yesterday. It's like, it's the truth. And you do pay more for it. Uh, also, the wood can be burned and it creates a scent that is just really amazing. And so oud is really popular in the Muslim world. It's really expensive. There's a lot of like fugazi oud on the market. But the people at Oudimentary, oud, O-U-D-I-M-E-N-T-A-R-Y, Oudimentary, um, these are people that I know. I know the founders. I know the people that work on it. Um, you know, our, our brother, uh, one of the one of the brothers is a therapist, so he understands the holistic nature of healing. One of them is our brother Muhammad Saifullah, who is a football player and is now a jujitsu master and a trainer. You know what I'm saying? Young black brother, uh, our sister Pashtana, um, you know, Afghani-American sister from the Bay Area. You know, these are folks that I know very well, and I know that these things can be just commodities that people buy and sell. 
but they or they can be treated in a way with a lot of love and reverence and so they also the way that they do it is sustainable so that they're they're involved also in planting trees uh the way that they source this oud is from the communities there that have been um you know bringing bringing these things to life for so long so really honored to be with them check out oudimentary o u d i m e n t a r y.com I know a lot of like really truly great people and like this this Iman thing that we're at for this love thing we're all marksmen like we are all very powerful special people so you know phenom is probably i know i've known a lot of great freestylers i knew idea i know supernatural i know mc juice i know um uh you know uh uh, uh peace and Allahumma sayyidi Muhammad and Micah 9. Like, mm. I know these people, you know what I'm saying? Man, Phenom is very special. Like, the ability to sing, and but also, because most of these freestylers can go all over the place, but Phenom is, he can give a, thematic, a lecture, yeah. a thematic lecture where literally every word is on topic. Yeah. And then if he brings something in, is he's going to make it a double entendre that lands. Yeah, yeah. He's very special. We're all very special. And a lot of the people that I've known, are truly great and but they're but you know i was close with sean price i was close mm. with you know mf doom and like mm. these people but we're all just a little bit out of the spotlight mm -hmm. most of it's very rare that the great ones are mm. also in the spotlight dave is an example of that mm. jay-z is an example of that mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying there are there are those rare few but most of us are right outside the spotlight and then most of those people that i know i see their art and their art is amazing but to know the person is really interesting because, and this is very true with you, where I I witness you and like we've lived together. Mm -hmm. It's very strange that like so much, and I want I'm hoping we can get to this too. But like so much of your music comes is born out of pain, mm -hmm. or so much of your work is born mm -hmm. out of a very deep and resounding pain. And Allah put me in a place where I'm I know. I know something about that mm -hmm. and wasn't looking for it. And I never heard you, you never mm -hmm. told me about mm -hmm. it. Like I just got a, got a window into it. it was like, Oh, you've been suffering mm -hmm. this whole time that, you know? Um, so you witness the person and you, you know that there's like an, an ocean there. The, the, you, for most artists, the, the, their art is just the breeze off the ocean. Mm -hmm. And then you get to personally witness the ocean, but for the truly great ones. And I think you're the greatest example of this is that, all of the things that are going on inside you and when you're saying that you were quiet yesterday you were disengaged when i was moaning and Memuna was crying and like people and you know what i'm saying and you're quiet but i'm like i know there's a universe there's mm. like universes going on inside there mm -hmm. but when you're on the mic and dave has said this too about himself but like when you're on the mic i feel like that's the only time that it can really ever come out yeah yeah, and you said in the, in your thing like you 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 went to the uh, the uh, uh, um, in in um, Iran mm -hmm. and like saw the 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 um, for Karbala mm -hmm. and the people it's like a it's a, um, a holiday about crying and mourning mm -hmm. and you were saying like I can't cry mm -hmm. I never saw my father cry like if I cry I'm worried that if I cried I might never stop and mm -hmm. I might flood the mm -hmm. the the earth but. In that moment when you are, when you're birthing what you've been given, 
it really feels like this is the only way that this could ever come out. I don't know if it could come out in life. And could anybody handle it? Could you handle it? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, um, <clears throat> I think I think about, you know, like my poems, for example, like We Must Win or some of these more intense poems that I have. But the same thing with the, the love poems and all of that. But it's just more um, visceral, obvious for the, those more intense, you know, uh, poems <laughs> that <clears throat> you know what it reminds me of it reminds me in the avengers when uh i can't remember which avengers this was i think it was actually the first avengers and uh where loki is attacking the earth and there's that hole that opens up in the sky and they the aliens come to conquer earth or whatever and so the I've avengers send them off i've never seen any of these movies oh yeah anymore. oh yeah these i, I mean you already know yeah yeah, yeah. You, you you're a movie <laughs> I, for, dude I forgot I'm, I'm i forgot not. so you know there's anyways there's a point where they're waiting for Bruce Banner to show up, you know, because mm -hmm. they need help to fight off. The, you know, the showdown is happening. Mm -hmm. It's like, yo, where's the Hulk, right? Mm -hmm. So they're waiting for him. And this is good because most people probably know this scene, but you don't know this scene, so it's good that I'm describing it to you. It's a movie uh, thing I wouldn't understand. <laughs> it's a movie thing, right. And I hope I, I, I describe it right. So, you know, so, but he went off because he's having all kind of internal conflict mm. between the Hulk and Bruce Banner. So he's like, the Hulk is destructive and so on and so forth. And so he wants nothing to do with the Hulk. And that's, in this film, this is his dilemma, you know, mm -hmm. as a character. And uh, so then the last minute, right before the showdown happens, Bruce Banner shows up on his, you know, his motorcycle and and the, the this these huge aliens are coming down the New York street and they're you know about to engage right and uh and so it's like okay so he gets off his bike and he starts walking towards the aliens these huge monsters right and so captain america's like you know you know now would be um a good time to get angry cuz that's how he turns into the hulk is when mm -hmm. he gets angry and he turns to him and says for all the Marvel heads out there, I might misquote this exactly, but you'll get the point that, you know, he says, you know, um, that's my secret. He's like, I'm always angry. And then he changes into the Hulk, right? Wow, yeah, yeah, So, yeah. you know, when I'm on stage and I do what I do, uh -huh. the reality is that's my default setting. Right. That's really how I am all the time. Yeah. I've socialized myself to, because no one can be around that. Like, um, a marriage can't function like that. Friendships, family, I can't raise children in that state because it's it's unbearable. And so only on a stage can like that. You have not cleaned up your toys. <laughs> I know, right? By you know? God, you have not cleaned up your toys. <laughs> no one can, you know, but people in that context can handle it. It's like yeah. you go, like everyone loves to go to the zoo to see the lion. <laughs> but no one wants to lie in their living room. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so it's a, it's like a spectacle or something that you can, not a spectacle because I don't want to cheapen it or, or act like audiences are cheapening what I do. But it's like in this context, we can have that. We can handle that. You know what I mean? But in a, in a, because when you're on stage, you're kind of, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but it's like, you're almost a little dehumanized. Like, you're not a, a person. Mm. You're like an idea. You know what I mean? You're like a character in a, in, in a film. You know what I mean? So when you're on stage, and that's why sometimes when people meet 
the artists and what they are they're they're confused almost it's like oh wait you're this on stage but you know this in person or you feel this way on stage but you feel this way in person and so it's um you know so so it's not like i have to access this other state in order to do uh what i do most of my life i'm restraining it like i'm holding it back like i've built um dams you know within myself in order to have to be live to to be able to be around you know what mm-hmm. i mean like i i wouldn't i, I i'm i'm in my default setting i'm unbearable mm-hmm. like uh, it's it's very hard to be with me to be in an intimate um proximity to me and even with all the dams that i've built so a lot of my personality my you know kindness my deferential nature even my humor all of those things were mechanisms that i developed Mm -hmm. by which to make myself um bearable Mm -hmm. you know to be around Mm -hmm. and um uh and i'm grateful for that because alhamdulillah i'm glad that the things that i chose to do that are generally speaking uh, good things, you know, that I didn't choose um, things that are more um, toxic or, or hurtful or, you know, because, you know, if I chose kindness and I chose, you know, uh, politeness and I chose, mm-hmm. you know, service. Uh, yeah, service uh, yeah. of the things I choose. Alhamdulillah, I'm glad I chose those things. And this isn't like like a woe is me. I wish no, I could no, be no. myself, but people won't accept me for me. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's I, I, I don't think it's something wrong with people. I, I, it's not it, it's. It's um, it would be unfair for me to uh, presume or to expect people to have any other response to that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so those moments um, where I can unleash it in a safe environment, you know, it's an environment that people can actually not only sustain it but they can um benefit from it right, like they can right. find pleasure or it's healing healing or you know mm-hmm. these other good things in it mm-hmm. but it's very specific so i have to keep it turned off and so when i do go like when you saw me last night it's like it's just me turning the valve the release valve on it's like okay now you can let it rip man you can let it go and then you know i have to turn it off and it used to take me a long time to turn off actually so turning it on was never hard. Turning it off. So after I would get off stage, I used to not be able to interact with people. So yeah. I would do my thing and leave and, and leave out the building. And like walk I would for, walk walk for hours yeah, sometimes. I would leave for a long time. Yeah. And then I would come back. Sometimes the place would be closed or everybody would be gone or whatever. But I would I'm literally on the mic. I would finish the last word and walk directly out of the door. Then um Actually, it was merch that helped me with that. Meaning, because I had to sell merch. So by the time I would come back, they'd be like, yo, you had a line of people to buy your little poetry chat books, but you were gone. We couldn't sell them. And so that kept happening. And so I was like, all right, I got to get back so I can sell some books. So more of the story is capitalism is actually what served me. No, I'm just joking. That that this, uh, me learning how to re-engage with people was something that was forced by way of that when I was a poor college student and was selling, you know, my poetry books that I made at Kinko's at these poetry readings. And so 
Then I could come back like in an hour. Then, you know, 45 minutes, then a half an hour. But now now I can re-engage with people right. almost immediately. But I had to learn how to do that. One of the things I've learned so much from therapy, so Resma Minikin, one of my therapists, was on last week. And I can't wait for you all to... It's funny, like, you and Resma are the two people that I try to say... I'm always like, do you know Amir Suleiman? <laughs> do you know Resma Minikin? Y'all are some of the two people that I'm always... Like, man, I need, I need people to know who y'all are. And I need you to know each other. But... Um, just he talks about, you know, get like small bite-sized exposures to the to things, mm. and like getting the reps in mm. to be able to to build the ability to to do these things. And for so many people, it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. Most of us are not living with our realist state being mm. known even to us. Mm. Most people are 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 tucking stuff to be able to socialize and be uh, adjusted and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then, so for most people, it's the opposite where they need to, at least in this context and in this culture, I don't think it's always been like this. I think like white body supremacy is the reason why it is. That's mm -hmm. the de that's become the default mm -hmm. where I think that the default used to be the opposite mm -hmm. where like you were, you were normal. And then there were certain ceremonies like we talk about the haram. So like in, in normal, the haram is like a ceremonial sanctified <laughs> space or environment or something like that. So a person is themselves. And then when they go into Salat, Allahu Akbar, now there are only certain things that I can do and say in movements and, and things like that. Now I'm restricted. Mm. But then when I say, Assalamu alaikum I step out of that. Now I'm back to being. Mm. So like it used to be that the special times were the restricted times because mm. that was a ceremony. And then... The, the default state was to be full, mm, fuller and freer. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I know that solitude is really an important part of yeah. your like process. Yeah. You told me a story one time, you, you, you're like, you were a little kid, your mom was trying to find you and she thought you were lost. Yeah, like yeah. she almost called the police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother would talk about that I just wasn't, you know, as a baby and as a as a young child, I was just like, um, and some of this sounds kind of like, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say it in a way that it doesn't sound the wrong way. But like, for example, when I was talking about the Hulk thing, when I said, you know, I'm always angry. And the, and the point from that is not that I'm, I'm always angry. It's not that emotion, but I'm saying the intensity of whether it's love, whether it's, you know, uh, spiritual, religious, you know, outpouring. Like, that's what's always happening. And mm -hmm. then I, I, I release it. So it's not just anger. anger. And, um, and my mother would talk about, like, me just having, a, me not being very attached to anything mm. uh, and being kind of disengaged from life, like just not interested in mm -hmm. the world, you know? So she was like, even with herself, she was like, you know, I would put you to sleep, you'd be in the crib, and usually, you know, when a baby wakes up, starts crying, wants his mother, you know, so on. And she was like, man, it's been a long time. Like, he's still sleeping, you know? And she would go up and she'd look at the crib she'd look at me i look at her she'd look at me i look at her it's like that that diddy um that diddy meme where it's like he's looking at the dude <laughs> you know what I'm and uh and she like you good and i got i'm good you good yeah. and and, and, she, and she, yeah. i would just be the diaper straight <laughs> like i'll just be cooling like mm -hmm. you know um and i remember one time she told me this story about um this is gonna sound like a trip too, 
we were in the car driving, and I, I must have been maybe like four years old, mm. um, something like that. And uh, we almost got in a car accident. So she's driving, you know, hit the brakes and screech and, you know, whatever. But we didn't get mm. in the accident. You know, she, I was in the front seat. This was before car seats and all that. But, you know, she yeah, put her 80s. hand on my head. That was the car seat. This. <laughs> you know right, what right, right. The mom uh, car seat, right. Uh, and so she's, you know, breathing. And she's like, you know, it was really a, a, a close call. And, uh, and then, you know, we get back on the road. We're driving for a while. And she was like, yeah, you were quiet. And then you said, you know, Ma, I thought we were going to die. And I was okay with that. Like, I was just like, that was my response to was getting in a car accident. And, it, and I promise it wasn't mm-hmm. morbid. It wasn't, like, depressed. It, mm-hmm. wasn't, a, it wasn't a bad feeling. That, mm-hmm. That's how she meant. I don't even remember this. But she mentions it in a way that you said it in a way that wasn't um, – it wasn't scared. It wasn't depressed. It wasn't. It was just like, yeah. If I checked out of this thing, I'd be like, mm. you know, I've only been here for four years, but it's not everything you know. It's cracked up to be. You know what I mean? Mm. I was just kind of disinterested in uh, in the outer world, you know. Mm. But I would spend a lot of time in my inner world, you know, and I would daydream a lot because I used, I did very poorly in school, you know, and so I would always be getting in trouble and. Um, not for misbehaving, but just for disengaging, just you know not, what yeah. I mean? And uh, <laughs> my mother talks about a time that uh, another time I, uh, because, you know, I, w- I would always get in trouble. I would always get grounded. And so I was really trying to make an attempt. And then I must have probably been, um, I don't know, seven or eight by now, or maybe nine or ten or something. And I was like, Ma, I was, I was in the classroom. I was really focusing and I was listening to the teacher and I had my notes out and I had my pencil and then I was on an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what happened. And then I come back and the class is over. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I, was, I just have a, a tendency to very much prefer my inner life right, right. to my outer life. You know <laughs> Oh, it was just man. the way it's always been. Yeah. But, you know, obviously that that's ripe for uh, well, an, like, uh, for an artist, you know. She almost called the police one time because she thought you were missing. Oh, that was the time. Yeah, so I would, uh, I would like, fall asleep in strange places. That was another thing. My relationship <laughs> with time and that type of thing is very Sleeping, strange. eating. Yeah, man. Yeah, man, there's no schedule. And so I would... Yeah, I would, I would we, like... When we were at the warehouse, there's times where I'd be like, it would be like five in the morning. <laughs> Or not, I mean, like three, right. and I would hear you stirring. I'd be like, "Hey, man, what? You, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go." <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's four o'clock in the morning, and we're in Oakland, right. and it's yeah, like I'm my go, first meal of the day. And yeah, and, and it's like the fact that everybody else is sleeping, right. and you're just like, "Yeah, but this is when I woke up, and it's, I feel like I'm gonna go walk and maybe, right. you know, what I'm saying? right, right, make a bite." Yeah, it's it's always been it's always been my way, you know, mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, so I I would like fall asleep in these weird places, like behind the couch or whatever. I don't know why I would just like tuck myself into some little place. And so I was uh, I was under the dining room table and fell asleep. My mother was looking for me. She had the neighbors out. She went to the neighbors. Everybody's out. There's a search party for me, whatever. And then I crawl out from under the table, like 
hey guys, <laughs> what's going wake, on? You were wide awake the whole time. That's the thing. Like that time you weren't sleeping, right. you were sitting under the table. on an adventure. I, I, not aware adventure, that people man. are like, I'm here, because you know they were in the house. And like I'm here. here. I'm totally disengaged. Like I'll <laughs> yeah, just yeah. check out of the world. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm I'm very much, very much, very much entertained and interested and fascinated mm -hmm. by my inner world and that and that's what the that that that's like my native land like that's where i'm yeah like in this world i'm like an immigrant right like that world is yeah. like where i really spend most of my time and so being a poet or being an artist that that works well you know what i mean but so then again like i said so when i'm outside mm -hmm. of that I feel like a visitor, you know, all the right. time. I always feel like, or like I'm when you're uh, in a different country and you're like, oh, everything here is a little weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, Not really gotta... sure where to, how does somebody wash clothes in a place <laughs> like this? And I have to like translate, right, you know, right. and, and I think everyone has this experience to some degree. Obviously, right. everyone has an inner world and outer world, but from what I've at least observed, I just spend more time and just have more interest and more satisfaction with being in that world one time you went for like a, f a five hour walk and i'm not exaggerating people will think that i'm exaggerating yeah. but there's times where you will walk for a full work shift yeah yeah man and, and you know and that's without any necessarily doing. place so like we were trying to reach you because we were calling you and you weren't answering your phone mm -hmm. But it was ringing, so it's like the phone's not dead because uh -huh. your phone be dead a lot. <laughs> like, there's also times where like his phone's dead, <laughs> right? And uh, I, ha I I do the same thing. Uh -huh. Like man, Sarah Rock when we were on tour, she would always be like, oh, "Let me see your phone before I would go do something." And I would have to show her, and she'd be like, "Charge your phone first. Right, I'm like, right. "All right." But uh, we were calling you, and it was ringing, so it's like his phone is on, and you didn't answer your phone for hours, and we we were like worried. Yeah. And then you came back in, and you were like, "Hey, sound like um." And we're like, Waikum Salam, you are you good? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I just went for a walk. I was like, where's your phone? And you were like, oh. <laughs> like in that moment, you like you were gone five hours and didn't know you didn't have your phone. Yeah, like I won't even be listening to music. No. You know, sometimes I do, but you know, yeah, I'll just um and like again when I was a kid, I used to get in trouble. Like I would say, Hey Ma, I'm gonna go to the corner store mm -hmm. or I'm gonna go to, you know. And I'll be gone. It'll get dark. I'll be gone for hours, and then I'll come back again. Like so, yeah. I like go like come home. <laughs> like it's, it's all like, good. What's because wrong? everybody else notices that something out of the right. ordinary happened, and you know, like, what's, like you what's, literally, you literally walked in at like ten at night. Yeah, been gone since like noon. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, hey, and so I how's everybody doing? And it should be like, like where, we're where all still awake because we're trying to figure out if you're okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where, 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 I was like, yeah, my, I told you I was going to, um, I think I was going to buy a, a, a magazine or, or a comic book at the grocery store, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, my, yeah, I told you I was going to go to the, she's like, that was three hours ago. Like, and I was like, really? So my relationship with time, that's another thing I had to really discipline myself to right, learn in yeah. order to, you know, interface with people and be respectful of people also. Mm -hmm. I've really this part of my life i'm really I'm, I'm still not good at it i'm really trying to develop a better relationship with time uh out of out of uh as a, like an expression of love you know mm -hmm. um because yeah my orientation around time is totally wonky and so something i'm thinking i've been gone for 15 minutes you know what i mean um, yeah, it'll be three hours or four hours. I was like, really? You know, I just, again, I check into this inner world that time and space don't mean the same thing. And, and then I pop out, 
back to this world and it's yeah it's uh yeah it's like interstellar or something you know what i mean like it's yeah it's a trip yeah usually we ask people if there's anything that they want to let people know that they're that they're doing is there like a is there any of that that you want to do do you care to do it do you um i don't even know what it would be i'm you know just uh excited about making uh music again you know and poetry and music and so working on that stuff and you know movies and television which is you know over the last few years has become a, a it's always been a dream of mine but now it's you know I'm, I'm actually in a space to write and produce stories which is something i'm really really interested in, which is a whole nother podcast my beliefs around storytelling and you know um you know, so yeah, so you know, they'll, they'll see those things whenever they manifest, but there's not one thing in particular. Um, but I'm very grateful, man, to be here with you. It's really difficult to this is this this was kind of challenging because of the fact that usually we do this for days, mm-hmm. like usually our schedule determines yeah. when it starts and when it stops, and right. in between that, there's not there's it will just be not you know right. steady. So even just the thought that like everybody here has got stuff to do and things like that, that <laughs> right, we, right, right. you know, it's, it's a really, and I knew that that would be, normally when I go, I'm still learning how to do this. Uh, yeah. It feels like it's on my first tour. Like uh-huh. when I went on my first tour, I'm like, I know I can be ill, uh-huh. but I know I'm not yet. Mm. And then I went on the first tour with Atmosphere and did, you know, 65 shows in a row. Uh-huh. And by the end of it, it was like, all right, now nobody can. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. then when I went on tour with Rakim, it's like, yeah, I'm ready for that. Yeah. You know Those are mean? the reps like we were talking about, you know, just yeah. putting in the reps. But, you know, I, you're preconditioned, I think, from the work, from your personality and the work that you already do. You're preconditioned to be able to enter into this form, you know, at a at a high level. You know what I mean? Yeah. I usually have a like an exit joint. So, like, no matter where we go, this is where I'm going to bring it back. And then this is where I'm going to leave it. And I just couldn't figure one out <laughs> for you. But we'll just do another one. We'll do other than I mean, other than I mean, you know, and and another thing that I do sometimes is get very heavy and deep and emotional. <laughs> the end, you know what I'm saying? Because of the people that I talk, that most of the people that I talk to, I think Jane Elliott was the only person I had never met so far yet. That was our first time talking. And she threatened to beat me and quote unquote, jump my bones. (laughs) There was one part where she's like, I was like, are you looking for something to hit me with? And she's like, yes, I'm gonna hit you with this book. And I'm just like, this is amazing. And then at the end, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna come, I, I was like, you know, she, she was like, you can come to my house if you want. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll cut your grass. I'll do so-and-so. And she's tough. Mm-hmm. Like, we had this conversation. She's like, "If you, I'm going to warn you. She, and I asked her, do you want us to take that part out? And she was like, no. If you come to my house wearing Old Spice uh, cologne, I might jump your bones. <laughs> and I just started dying laughing. I turned bright red. And she says, now look at the magic of, of words. I just turned an albino to a man of color. You are now pink. <laughs> Like, golly. So I didn't know her. And then me and Ilhan Omar had only, like, been in the same community. We never, uh-huh. like, really, you know what I mean? But most people, most of the people I talk to are, like, people I've been, you know, yeah, yeah, dear man. friends with. So, I mean, you know that you're just, your presence is medicine for me. You know what I mean? And um, you are one of the people that I just, that I feel most myself when you're, just even knowing you're in the world, even if I'm not necessarily with you, mm. you know what I mean? Like, I I just feel so um, comfortable and safe and encouraged, and it feels like all the stuff that I've always wondered, like, am I crazy? Mm. You know what I mean? Am I, like, am I yeah. crazy? So when you do what you do, it's like, I, I, I don't know if I've... 
I don't even, and I, it, with you, I don't know if it's a question, but with myself, I don't think I've given myself the same permission mm. to acknowledge some of the things that you're, you know, but so when you're doing what you're doing on stage, but also just witnessing you and just being, just being in proximity to you makes me mm. feel like I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, no, I mean? it's, I'm grateful. And this is the beauty of companionship, you know, and that's what I'm grateful. I mean, not just for this podcast, but just for our uh, friendship and where, you know, sharing sharing an a interior world you know that's what like intimacy is you mm. know and so like i feel that deep intimacy with you that we share an interior world so when i think about that self that world you know it's like you're in it you know what mm. i mean you're not part of the outer world you know what i mean and that's uh much all the beauty of you know of real brotherhood of real intimacy you know yeah so I, I can be we can be okay as long as we can say we do it again. Yeah. Let's do we it can, again, yeah. This is wrong, please. really hard as you can see to end this conversation it's really hard to you know have an intentional conversation that can be absorbed by others but i'm so honored to be able to share amir with whoever i can and i'm very very grateful to him for his for his time and for sharing and you see that the way that he speaks is poetic and you know the fact that he'll actually stop and and change what he's saying and say this is what i was about to say and this is what is being revealed to me in this moment is uh, really, I think, evidence of uh, the greatness of Amir Suleiman. Uh, you can check him out on social media. You can uh, follow him. He's got recorded works on all the digital d streaming platforms and things like that. But really to experience Amir, you have to do it in person. So, you know, uh, follow him and check out and really try to figure out where is Amir going to be. And please do yourself the favor of being in a room to witness him change the weather. Because it sounds like a poetic turn of phrase, but it's a reality. It is a reality that the person that you are going into that experience, you will be, uh, your the heart and the soul will be educated and healed in a way that's indescribable. So we're so very grateful to Amir for being here with us. Please make sure to, uh, if you want to really support what we're doing, the best place to do it is brotherali.com. You can join the caravan, you can sign the mailing list, all the music and the merch and all that stuff is there. Um, please like and share and subscribe and comment, all the stuff that people say on podcasts. Special shout out to Rami and the whole team at Iman, uh, to Taqi and to Sadia and to Binta and to um, Alia Bilal and to their whole crew. Special thanks to all of them. Special thanks to the folks here that are recording us because this really isn't part of their job and they're just being so dope to do it. Uh, we'll put all of their information in the show notes and on the screen as well. Special thanks to Amna Mirza, Mansour Panawala, Darian Washington, DJ Last Word. Uh, Traveler's Podcast is produced by Brendan Kelly, a.k.a. BK1, and is a production of Traveler's Media. Peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.